0: Welcome to Rethinking the News from the Christian Science Monitor. I'm Clay Collins, one of its editors. Today we offer the first episode of People Making a Difference, an audio extension of the Monitor's long-running franchise about individuals and organizations working to advance progress. You'll hear the backstories of some of the PMADs, as we call them, who you may have read about in the Monitor, and you'll meet some new difference makers. These episodes are hosted by Dave Scott, the Monitor's audience engagement editor. I think the most important thing is just to listen and listen to what your community needs and to know that you don't have to start some giant organization. Just go out and help somebody that needs some help. I mean, man, we all need a lot of help right now. <laughs> so help somebody that needs help. And if you find that you're on something, you know, help some more people.
1: That's Margaret Jankowski, founder of the Sewing Machine Project in Madison, Wisconsin. She's given out more than 3,300 secondhand sewing machines. But her project is really about teaching empathy, generosity, and how to repair lives. And as you listen to excerpts from our conversation, you'll see that Margaret seldom has all the answers, but she has learned to trust that a good idea has power, and is often supported and shaped in ways she could never have imagined. Welcome to People Making a Difference, a podcast about people who are step-by-step making a better world. I'm Dave Scott. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Let's begin at the beginning. It's 2004, the day after Christmas. A huge tsunami devastates coastal communities in 14 countries across Asia. It's one of the worst natural disasters in recorded history. In the days and weeks afterwards, many of us looked for ways to help. Tell us, Margaret, what you did. Well,
0: I think like most of the world, I was watching the news and reading the paper and just so stunned and I felt so small. Like, what could I possibly do that could make any kind of a difference? I was here at home, um, you know, a couple teenage kids and a husband in the next room, and I was sitting here reading. So, actually, sewing websites on a Saturday morning, just kind of scrolling through the the internet, and I came across this article about a woman. Who had lost her sewing machine in that storm? and and it was it was not a long article. It was written by a BBC reporter who was traveling with these women back to their village and interviewing them about what do you hope to find in the remains of, you know, whatever's left where you used to be? One woman replied, "Just my sewing machine." Um, and she went on to talk about how, She had used that machine to support her family. Uh, She planned to teach her daughter to sew when she became a little bit older. And that tool had begun lifting their family out of poverty, and she was hoping to find it. And I, I just stopped in my tracks. So I have to admit, my initial response was, oh, I don't know what I'd do without my sewing machine. But you know, then then the more I thought about it, I would survive without my sewing machine. And for this woman, that was not
1: necessarily true. Margaret was working at a sewing machine shop in Madison at the time, teaching sewing, selling machines, and taking customers through the features on new machines. And quite often,
0: I would hear, well, I wonder what I'll do with my old sewing machine. And I was just thinking this is crazy, you know, the imbalance. In fact, I remember sitting here holding up my two hands and thinking that this is so out of balance. You know, here are people that just don't don't even know what they're going to do with this old thing. And then there are people to whom it would make a world of difference.
1: Margaret decided to try and do something about this imbalance between haves and have-nots. And she went to her boss, but he wasn't interested in her scheme. He and many others also kept pointing out the obstacles. How would you pay for shipping? Where would you actually send the secondhand sewing machines? And she didn't have a lot of the answers. I will tell you, I had never done anything like this before in my life. This
0: was not like, oh yeah, I know what to do. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. But I just kind of would hold the question, and then there would be an answer. For instance... Another friend called and said, where are you going to send those sewing machines? And I said, I don't know. And she said, well, I work with a guy who's in the American Hindu Association chapter here in town, and they're sending relief supplies over. Why don't you talk to him? And so I talked to him, and they were working with orphanages and sending a bunch of relief supplies. And I said, what about sewing machines? And he said, oh, man, they could certainly use those to to sew for the kids and to teach people how to sew, um, yeah, you know, we can send sewing machines. And so I had my answer, but not from anywhere that I ever
1: would have guessed. At one point, Margaret went to a local TV station and held up a sketch of a big wave, a tsunami, on an 8 by 11 piece of paper and asked for people to donate their old sewing machines. So I had set a a collection date for a Saturday
0: morning. And I remember kind of bustling around at the front of the store, like setting up tables and stuff, thinking, well, you know, if people show up, this was before the store had opened in the morning. And, you know, thinking, you know, I want to be ready for this. And I remember raising my eyes and looking out the front window and there were people lined up down the sidewalk. And this was still winter in Wisconsin. So people are out there in the cold and just cradling sewing machines and have bags of stuff. And so one by one, you know, people kept bringing machines and bringing machines or fabric, these beautiful pieces of fabric. And, and it was just one after another. And all morning long for three hours straight, people just showed up. And then when we closed and locked the door, I, I remember sitting there just looking at this. And it was just a sea of sewing machines and bags and... I felt overwhelmed but like in the best possible way. Not like, oh what am I going to do, but look at how people look at how this resonates with people.
1: Over the next few months, Margaret raised the money to ship the sewing machines by reaching out to the local Kiwanis club and Rotary club and Girl Scouts and the school district. She ended up sending five shipments of sewing machines to orphanages in India and Sri Lanka. And she really thought that would be the end of the project. But then Hurricane Katrina devastated the city of New Orleans in August of 2005.
0: Well, surprisingly, I had actually been in New Orleans two weeks before Katrina hit. And I I was down there for a sewing machine conference, but... I remember watching the news right after the storm hit and seeing these familiar streets where I'd just been walking and, and seeing the city just like in darkness and water. And I mean, it was terrifying. And again, just like after the tsunami, I, you know, it was like, what could I possibly do? So
1: she redirected her efforts. Asked her donors if they'd be okay if the remaining sewing machines and money could be used to help folks in New Orleans. We rented a van and my 14-year-old daughter and I drove
0: to New Orleans. And and again, I thought, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna like lean out the window with a megaphone when I'm in? New Orleans. I, I really didn't have much of a plan. And then another, you know, again, a friend calls and says, do you need a contact in New Orleans? And and I said, I do. And she said, well, my brother-in-law is the rector at the Episcopal Church on Canal Street. So he said, I'll put it out there and, and let people know when you're coming. And so... I remember we the church had dried out but it was empty and so I remember setting up tables there and lining up all these machines and standing you know standing there with my daughter thinking I hope people come and take these <laughs> like I hope I don't just have to put them back in the van and drive home but little by little people came and I remember one woman saying you know, we th- we keep thinking that people have forgotten about us down here. And then somebody like you comes along and we know we're not forgotten. And I thought,
1: yep, this is this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing now, right? And Margaret began making regular trips to New Orleans, collecting contact info when she didn't have enough machines. And it was there that she hit upon the pay it forward concept, which, then became a cornerstone of the sewing machine project, something that would amplify her work and empower others. People would say all the time, how can
0: I repay you for this? How can I? This is like such a gift. And so I started saying, well, think of a way that you can pay it forward. So think of a way that you can use this machine to help someone else. And it just totally clicked with people they would i would say so what do you what do you think you'll do oh i'm going to teach somebody else to sew or i'm going to share my machine in the neighborhood or i'm going to make little hats and take them over to the hospital for the nicu unit yeah people had so many ideas and so we it was such a powerful thing and i feel like it gives us such a ripple effect i i just feel that's really important plus after katrina so many people just felt like they, there was nothing they could do. They felt so powerless. I really feel that it's an important message to say, you do have the power to make a difference in your community. You, know, you do. So what are you going to do?
1: Your mission statement, we passionately believe in the possibility a sewing machine embodies, is a statement that conveys a sense of hope. Where did that come from? And it took
0: years for that vision statement to kind of emerge, really. I've seen this tool lift people out of poverty. And I've seen this tool lift people out of depression. And I've seen people become more confident when they're sewing. And I've seen people learn to connect with one another and problem solve together when they sew together. And so I, with all my heart, believe that a sewing machine embodies all this possibility. Here in this piece of equipment, you can open so many doors. I really do. It's, I believe it's like a like a
1: vehicle <laughs> for that. I asked Margaret to share an example or two of how this tool has given hope and lifted people out of poverty. We sent machines with a medical mission group over
0: to Tanzania. And there's a woman... Mama Patrick and she knew how to sew a little bit, but she took a sewing course with these machines we'd sent. And then she was given a machine and she took it back to her village. And Mama Patrick is married. She has three kids. Her husband was supporting the family and they didn't have a lot of money and they often didn't have food, you know, for a day or two they had to pay for their kids to go to school so they had to choose which child would get to go to school and so mama patrick brought this machine back and started teaching sewing and also developed her own line of clothing and started selling it in her village and and started her own little you know alterations business and and started using this tool and with that and with that extra income they now can send all three kids to school. They have food in the fridge. You know, they are able to more than get by. And I believe that that is a whole set of lives mended.
1: Mending lives. Hmm. That's a powerful way of thinking about your work. We gave a set of machines
0: to a group called Project Respect, which is here in Madison. And Project Respect is an organization that helps people who have, who are survivors of sex trafficking and kind of helps them with counseling or, you know, resources, whatever they need to find their way in the world. And so they were offering therapy and the woman that was the therapist, is the therapist, thought, well, maybe I'll offer sewing too because they were having a hard time getting people to come to therapy and I know from my own experience that when I sit down to sew, it kind of frees up my mind to talk about things or problem solve. And she found that too, all of a sudden people were starting to open up when their hands were busy and working with fabric. And she was able to get through much more with her clients. And furthermore, another piece of it that I just had never realized before, she said that... Um, that people in that situation, like her clients, had lost the ability to plan forward. They were living in such like, fight or flight mode that they had trouble planning beyond the very next step. And with a sewing project, you have to do that. You look at this a picture of or a, or a finished thing and you say, I want to make that. And then you say, okay, what do I have to do to get there? And what are those steps? And she said it's reteaching how to, how to
1: get from point A to point B. And it's been really impactful. I've never considered that the act of sewing could help teach people how to think and plan more effectively. So, Margaret, you've been doing this for 16 years now and touched many lives. How has this project transformed you? It has changed the way that I
0: see the world. I would say most significantly, it's changed the way that I approach. I approach any sort of challenge. I would say that I haven't prior to doing this work. I, I wasn't really part of any faith community, and although the sewing machine project isn't a faith-based community, it has informed my faith. It's taught me that, like my imagination is is limited by what I know and by what I've experienced. But the imagination of the universe is boundless. And so it's changed the way that I I think about, I wish for things or I ask for things, or you could say I pray for things. Instead of saying, I wish I had a whatever, I think, no, I don't know how this needs to end. I don't know how this needs to be answered. And so... I sit back and say, help me see what I need to do now. Help me, or kind of my, my line that I use all the time is shine a big old light on what I'm supposed to do now. And more often than not, I get the answers I need. And they're almost always beyond anything I would have dreamed of. And that's a huge game changer for me. I mean, that's just, it It has changed
1: the way I walk in the world. Can you share an example of that big old light showing you the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My, you
0: know, my imagination's limited, but the universe has all sorts of ideas, you know? So I mentioned that in my trips to New Orleans, we had this giant list of people that needed machines. I called one woman named Anna and... I said, do you still need machines? And she said, oh, man, do I ever. She said, my fiancé and I are going to open this community center. We are renovating this old house that's really beat up. And we have this vision of of creating kind of a community gathering place. And so she said, we would love a machine. She said, in fact, we'd love to offer sewing classes. And then she kind of paused and she said, do you think we could have three machines? (laughs) And I said, oh, yeah, sure, we can we can figure that out. And then we finished up our conversation. And then she called me back. And she said, do you think we could have five machines? And I went back to the back room where I kept all the machines in that I was at the store at the time. And I looked through the machines that we had waiting to go to New Orleans. And I was trying to kind of identify five that would be good to use together in a classroom that had enough similarities that they wouldn't drive a teacher crazy. And in that batch of machines, they couldn't have been more different. And so I was feeling a little defeated. And it was one of those moments where I was kind of like, shine a big old light on this because I'm, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> like, I don't really. I'm not really sure. And so I had to leave the store for a few hours And when I returned, I came in through the front door and right inside the front door were five sewing machines and they were exactly alike. And I looked at them and I thought, that's weird. You know, like nobody leaves them there for service. And so I checked with one of my coworkers and she said, oh, it's too bad you missed this lady. She came in and she is a retired sewing teacher and she just dismantled her classroom. And these are all um, classroom-grade machines, and she's had them all serviced. And they were all threaded with brightly colored thread, and they were exactly alike. And I
1: took them to New Orleans. With results like that, I can see why you said this project has changed the way I walk in the world. Would you tell us about some of the other lessons you've learned over the past 16 years? What would you pass along to somebody who's doing work as a social entrepreneur?
0: I would say, uh, number one, don't decide you know best what other people need. Like if you, are, if you feel like you have a good idea and you're onto something, talk to the people that you intend to serve and find out what they really want or really need and let them shape the idea. And the second thing would be, don't decide what something's going to look like when it's done. Allow it to grow in the way that is natural. And be okay talking about and defining, you know, whether you're talking with a board or your work group or whatever, define what you are and what you aren't, like sculpt boundaries. And and it doesn't mean that those boundaries are carved in stone and you can't ever waver because of course your group, you know, your idea will evolve, but it helps so much to say, this project falls within our boundaries at this time or it does not and finally when things don't work and inevitably they're at sometimes they're just not going to work remember that you started by wanting to do something good and that this like little spark of goodness is something that the universe really really needs so keep going
1: i hear a lot of Openness to listening and continuous learning in Margaret's approach to mending lives. And of course, trust that a good idea comes with its inherent power and momentum, and that it doesn't require that you know all the answers. I've been talking to Margaret Jankowski, founder of The Sewing Machine Project. We barely scratched the surface of what her organization does. So, if you're interested in learning more, go to her website thesewingmachineproject.org. And here's this week's challenge. If you have a secondhand sewing machine, well, you know what to do. But if you don't, then volunteer. Give some time to one of the social causes your family, your company, or your house of worship is supporting. Or go to this website, VolunteerMatch.org. That's all one word, VolunteerMatch.org. And the site will give you some ways to help out in your city or town. Then call me and tell me how it went. Call me at 617-450-2410 and leave me a voice message about it. That's 617-450-2410. Thanks for listening to People Making a Difference, a podcast about people who are step-by-step making a better world. This podcast is produced by the Christian Science Monitor, Copyright
0: 2021.